This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Hey everybody, welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies from first-time directors, indie films, art house, and much, much more. On this special Christmas episode, we jingle our way to the end of the year with the 2003 dark comedy, Bad Santa, starring Billy Bob Thornton, Tony Cox, Brett Kelly, and Bernie Mac, just to name a few. A miserable con man and his partner pose as Santa and his little helper to rob a department store on Christmas Eve, but they run into problems when the con man befriends a troubled kid. Bad Santa premiered in November of 2003 and grossed close to $80 million worldwide box office on a budget of $23 million. Roger Ebert sums it up nicely, giving the film three and a half out of four stars, stating, Bad Santa was a demented, twisted, and unreasonably funny work of comic kamikaze style. I'm Gabe Vienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast, and I'm joined by none other than Mr. Alan Martindale, veteran podcaster and editor. Alan, how the hell are you today? Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. I did... Um, this is my kind of Christmas movie. Oh, Alan, I have something for you. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. You know what? I was actually going to throw one of those on, these Santa hats that you just threw on, but I don't have one, man. I'm a, I'm a Halloween guy. I I'm almost forgot guy. it. And I nice. bought it just for this podcast because I know how much <laughs> you love Bad Santa. I love this movie. It's so good. It's, I, I've, I've seen this. I watch this every single year. And I've seen it so many times, but I still find myself laughing at the top of my lungs unintentionally uh, at every freaking scene. It's hilarious. It's so good. This is, uh, I mean, from the very opening shot, I mean, it's a pitiful exploration into his misery. It, it, this is interesting because as a, as a comedy, first of all, uh, your boys, the Cohen brothers, executive producers on this. Yeah. Which is, do you think since you're, you're a, a Cohen aficionado, do you think they've got some creative say in what happened in this film? I don't know. I mean, you would think normally an executive producer would to some extent, but I feel like the Cohen brothers would be the type of executive producers who are like, yeah, we do what you do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The reason why I ask is there are two, there's two reasons I ask. First of all, for a, a, a comedy uh, in this ilk, there is a surprising amount of heart and character development, which is not something you would expect from a comedy like this. And second of all, last year uh, I watched the director's cut and I watched it with Jess and it is awful it butchers the entire movie it, it butchers everything that's great about this film it tones down a lot of the crudeness it really i mean just shoddy character development there's there's little to no arc 
uh, in, the, in the director's cut. And here's the thing. That's the one I watched. Oh, is it? That, that's going to be interesting to, to be, see. And I, have, I think that I've seen the – is it the theatrical release cut? Yeah. So I, I uh, years and years ago when this was released on DVD, I had, the bat, I had Batter Santa. So I got used to that cut. I would watch that every year. Uh, I've moved multiple times since, so I've kind of lost my copy. I don't know where it is. So I was trying to go back and watch it last year. I was trying to show Jess. And there are so many different cuts and versions on Amazon and online. And so we went with the director's cut because I figured, well, th- this might be the, uh, the closer version to Batter Santa. But no, the theatrical cut is, is pretty much the same film. Yeah, that's so I, I just did the Amazon purchase and I've seen the film a couple times over the what past 17 years that it's been released now. Uh, not I haven't watched it every season, every Christmas, but um, so I watched the director's cut. So it'll be interesting to see what you can what insight you can bring uh, based on the other versions of the cut. What did you think of the director's cut? Because or here's the, cut the thing that you you're, watched. You're, yeah, because you're talking about. Uh, character development, and there is some there with Billy Bob's character, no question. However, not with Willie, Willie played by Billy Bob Thornton, not not a lot. Oh yeah, see you. They butchered the director's cut is awful. They absolutely butchered it because going back and watching it again, it, it it's unbelievable how how uh, how much he he falls into the role of being kind of a home person and kind of taking care of this kid in his own weird fucked up way that he still, but he, he falls into it. And at the end, he kind of, he totally redeems himself. So I mean, he does that a little bit in here and you see glimpses of it. Like uh, a scene that comes to mind is once he's entered and we'll get into why, but once he's entered the, the kid's home, he's playing checkers with him and like little things, uh, tr- at least to some degree, attempting to, to bandage him up when he gets cut. But did, but did, even then, it was he, a little bit <laughs> lack. Did he beat up the skateboarder kids in that cut? Yeah, he did. Okay, yeah, okay. It, it's but they build up to that even in in this one. They build up to it, and they. I don't think the not, versions are that different because I feel like they still build up to that in this one too. And okay. and I wouldn't know because I haven't seen the other version. I've only seen that I can remember this one. Maybe I I don't know what the differences would be even if I saw it because I haven't watched it closely enough or compared the two. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a good point. It, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where, where the past diverge a little bit. Uh, the characters in this film are so good. And that's another thing that I love. Like they, they're not just typecast. They're not just typical characters. You're going to see in a dumb comedy. They have sur- a surprising amount of depth. They, uh, they work on many different levels and they're very strong characters, all of them, every single one of them, even down to grandma. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of a, uh, a thin, uh, chain-smoking Santa Claus is, is funny. Like, there's nothing about his physical appearance that indicates he should be the traditional look of what Santa is. Uh, and then at, here's what I found interesting that I really enjoyed. I think that from the beginning... Um, it's, it's built well because uh, Terry Zwigoff, who directed the film, builds this great juxtaposition between, of the narrative from the start. Because the way the film starts, 
is it feels very traditional Christmassy. It's this long take, this long pan. You get the musical Christmas element in the back, and then it pans in, and they're into this party, and there's a Christmas tree, and everybody's having a good time. And immediately it goes all the way through to the end of the shot, and then you get miserable and alone, Santa by himself at the bar. So I love the start because I think the juxtaposition of building that character or what the expectations of that character are going to be for this story are really good. You get miserable and alone, and in the same uh, scene, or not even the same scene, the same take, in a single shot, you get communal and happy. Yes. Right? It, 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 with, without it ever changing in a cut. It, it's the entire, I mean, that's, that's just a microcosm of his life and his existence and how miserable he is, that there's, he cannot find joy in anything. Uh, and that's, even when he, it, it, we'll kind of we'll go through it, he is a mall, a, a shopping mall Santa Claus, if you haven't seen this film. Now, if you've seen the marketing, you might think it's, it's one thing. If you've seen any of the marketing for this film, and I understand it came out 17 years ago, so you may not remember it, but it was kind of zany. It's a quirky, zany comedy, you know, about a, a, a rude Santa Claus. And it's, it's, it's far more in-depth than that. It is hilarious, though, but it's far more in-depth than that. Um, but basically, he and he has a, a, an elf with him who is a little person, and they are, every year, they stake out these malls they get a gig as shopping mall Santa Claus and his elf, and then they rob the mall on Christmas Eve, and then they, they leave town. And so that's kind of the setup, and you see them pull the job, and then you see them kind of celebrating after, and then you hear Willie, who is San, who, who's Billy Bob Thornton's character, who is Santa Claus. Um, he's, he, he's determined to turn over a new leaf. He's, he wants to be better. He wants to be happy. He just doesn't know how to, so he thinks going to Miami... And living in the sunshine is going to make him happy, and it ultimately doesn't. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if he wants to be happy, Alan. I, I, think he, I think he's fighting it. I think his instincts are telling him not to be happy, but I think he wants it. He's, okay. He, because it, the, the interesting thing about like the first 20 minutes of this film is like, or even longer, like his character to me never changes now his character is hilarious i mean right the concept of the of, of who he is what he is and also the fact that we never really understand any of his exposition we don't understand the backstory too much until later he divulges a little bit about his dad but it's brief and it's it's not overextended right and and I love that. But you know immediately that he's miserable. And I don't know if he wants to change. He's just kind of in this rut. And I don't see a glimpse of or desire to want to change. When it flashes forward 11 months to uh, after the first robbery. So we get an indication, like you mentioned, we see who they are. They're career criminals robbing from malls as Santa Claus and his elf. And then it flashes forward 11 months. So it's now prepping for the next season. But he's in Florida. He's sitting on or he's enjoying the, the lump sum of cash that, that, that they got from the previous gig. Um, and the alarm enjoying. goes off and he's immediately pissed off. Well, my, my, favorite, uh, my favorite scene in, in, when they're in Miami is when he's behind the bar. Because he says, he says, I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to get sober. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. 
Things are going to be better. I'm out. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. He even tells his, uh, his, his elf friend that he's out. And, of course, the elf friend doesn't believe him because he's a, he's a disgusting, pathetic drunk, and there's no possible way he can change. But then cut to him in Miami behind the bar chopping limes. It looks like he's in paradise. And then you get the reveal that he's just the bartender, the actual bartender comes in and says, get out of my bar. You know, and, and which I thought was hilarious. It's just a good little play. And then you get, you get a glimpse that even when he found his ultimate paradise of where he thought he could be happy, he's still miserable. He's still absolutely miserable. And there's nothing that's going to change about that. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't even recall. See, I, this, is where, this is where the cuts might divulge. And we might be discovering something here. Unless I just completely skipped past. I doubt it. You're pretty... You're pretty uh, you you watch these movies pretty carefully. I don't think you just missed a whole chunk. Well, I don't recall him in. I, I recall him being in Florida, but like looking at women in bikinis, playing volleyball. He does that, but I don't. Does, re, it, I don't remember the part where he is behind is the bar. Behind the bar. Oh yeah, it's it's great. See, this is why I the director's cut absolutely butchered this movie. It absolutely butchered it. It's not even. It's not the same film. If if they cut out that entire sequence, that is a great sequence because it's for a second there you think that he that he made it and he's he's following through on his um Too uh, on his dream, but then it just comes out. No, he's still just a piece of shit scumbag, and he's always going to be one. That's exactly and, what he did in this one. He never goes and does behind the bar. It cuts to Florida and he throws an alarm clock at pissed at the wall. Yeah. See. Th- this is why I don't like the director's cut. I remember watching it last year and being done. And I'm like, that was not the movie. I remember like that was not nearly as good as I remember it being. And then rewatching it this year, I was laughing my ass off the entire time. You gave up on the Santa hat. It's getting too hot, dude. It's getting too it's hot, get, man. It's getting too hot under that hood. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, that's, that's what I uh, was referring to is I don't get, I didn't get that. He okay. cut straight to him in Florida being pissed off and drunk in a hotel watching girls on the beach. And yeah, it, I mean, that's still in there, but it's, that's after the reveal. So here, here's what you got to do. Here's your assignment. After... After tonight, you got to rewatch it and you got to watch the, the just the regular theatrical cut because it's it's just so much better. It's a different movie. It's got a lot more heart, a lot more feeling and a lot more of a character arc. It's great. What does that say about? That's interesting to me that uh, it, it almost seems the opposite of what I would expect. Yeah. And, and that's why I was asking about. The Coen brothers, if maybe they had a little bit more say in what was going on creatively, because it is just it's a tremendous film. And the, the director's cut just butchered it. And usually it's not that way. Usually the director's cut will make it better. That's what I mean. I, I feel like what happened there, because it, it, it's, I'm trying to get wrap my head around the idea that potentially you would think that the director's cut would be the better cut. You would think so. I, I don't know what he was thinking when he But I'm not going up. crazy. That part's not in there. He does not like behind the bar, yeah. chopping it up, having a good time. It cuts from him robbing the first mall to him being in Florida for like 2.5 seconds and then jumping to Phoenix. 
And so now, any, so I'll have to do my homework and watch the theatrical release and see kind of where the nuances is. Because I think I, I, I do disagree a little bit in that I don't know that his character arc changed all that much. Because And part of it, I can see what you're saying. I didn't get any of that possibility of hope in right, this cut. Right, and th- And that's that's the entire thing is, and so when we when Jess and I watched this last year, she she hated this movie because she thought she th- she doesn't like Billy Bob at all, but she thinks that he was extra disgusting in this movie, and I can see why because he doesn't change in in that version of the film. He doesn't grow. He doesn't change. He doesn't real. I mean, there's like kind of a token uh, mention or nod towards him trying to be better and do something for the kid, but you really do see it in the theatrical version. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not saying Billy Bob as a person, but his character in this film, William, is oh. <laughs> despicable, unflattering, annoying, unapologetic, crude, rude, low-down dude. But then people, like, well, not people, but there are two people in particular who just absolutely love him. The kid, obviously, and then the girl. Yeah. And I can't remember her, her, what her name was, but for some reason she's obsessed with him and the kid is just that that shot (laughs) when the kid uh, is standing next in line to see Santa Claus and just the the pure awe in his face is amazing and the snot on his face and the snot on his face yeah he is just starstruck but honestly they even played that up well like how disgusting it would be to have kids sitting on your lap all day every day like, it would make me want to be a drunk. I was thinking about it through the perspective of the kid. But when you say it like that, and one of the scenes is the kid sits on him and, like, snot rockets chocolate milk and snot all over his face. Oh, my God, man. I lost my shit when I saw that. I was dying. And you think about that, and you're like, oh, my, I would <laughs> die. My favorite, my favorite line, though, is one of my favorite lines. <laughs> he, the kid manages, and, and it's so true of children. Look, I have kids. I love them to death. But I get what – they live in their own world, right? Kids live in their own world. They don't, they don't know how to, you know. And the kid blows chocolate milk snot rocket all over his beard and face and then tells him what he wants still. It, well, and then Billy Bob's reaction is the best. He's like, I don't give a fuck what you want. I don't give Get a him shit out of here. what you want. Blowing <laughs> snot all over everybody? <laughs> Get off of me. <laughs> that to me is what, those were the little things that make his, for me personally, that make his character so funny is, is the element of brutal honesty. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the saving grace because if you were just to follow this guy around I mean, he's deplorable. He's disgusting. He is, he's not a good person. And it would be very, it'd be so depressing to watch. But they manage, they, they manage to make him just funny enough and make everyone around him just funny enough that it's, it's still interesting and entertaining. Yeah, the, I wrote in my notes, like the way, the way he treats kids, it's so funny, but it's inappropriate. It's obscene. And then I just wrote, it works. It totally works. Totally works. It's so good, and his his relationship with that kid. You, I, I, and I won't keep beating on this, but I really think he missed out on a lot 
with the director's cut because it is it's really a sweet relationship and the way it grows is is fantastic. There once again glimpses of it in the in the direct in this cut, but not probably there the same way that you're referring to. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to think in in yours. It's been a year since I watched that version. He eats all the kids' Advent chocolate, right? Oh, he doesn't. Okay. I I don't think so. That's another really important part. So the kid obviously shows him his advent calendar and how much he loves the advent calendar and how cool it is because it has chocolate in it and you open it up every day and you get a story and you get chocolate. And one night, Billy Bob gets super drunk and he eats all of the advent chocolate, just like tears apart the, uh, the advent calendar. He wakes up the next day and he sees what he's done and he feels guilty. So he puts it back together. I've he puts seen like, this cut though. Yeah, but I do and not it's believe much, seeing it in this director's version. It, it's a much sweeter, sweeter way because he does feel bad, but it's also done in a very, you know, it, it's still true to the character because the kids open it up and he's like, "There's," a, and I thought of you with this one because he opens it up, he's like, "There's a candy corn in this," and Billy Bob <laughs> looks at him, he goes, "Well, they can't all be winners, can they?" <laughs> Dude, Truer words were knows. never spoken. <laughs> yeah, because candy corn's the worst, as we've talked about many times. The um, what's the by the way, side note, what's the deal with advent calendars? Because they don't make them anymore. I can't find them. Oh, my daughter has one. I went to Trader Joe's. My daughter comes to me, says, hey, this is no joke. Like a week ago. Hey, dad, let's uh, let's go get an advent calendar for me and the boys, her younger brothers. Okay, go to Walmart. Nothing. Go to Target. Nothing. Go to the, the local grocery store. Nothing. Can't find one. Then I finally go to a fourth store, fourth store, and they have one, but it's these silly, broke-ass advent calendars. Nothing <laughs> traditional, nothing normal. It's got, like, anime on it. I'm like, what oh, in God. the hell? Like, emojis. I'm like, no. Oh, that's awful, man. That's awful. Yeah. yeah Trader it, Joe's has one that, that we got. Well, now you tell she me. She loves it. Now yeah. you tell me. A week before Christmas. I got to go to Trader Joe's now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Trader Joe's. Anyway, side note, sorry about that. Yeah, I have seen that cut because I do. And that's what's interesting. There are pieces that would work. And I could say this from experience because now as you're saying that, oh, I remember that when he right. takes the chocolate out and then replaces it with a bunch of dumb shit inside right. the advent calendar. Right. That is a memorable scene. It's not in the director's cut. Yeah, it, and I don't understand why you cut that. I mean, to me, that's the heart of the movie. Unless he just thought it should be just a dumb comedy. But it, in my view, it doesn't have, he doesn't, Billy Bob in the movie itself doesn't have a whole lot of redeeming qualities to it without. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't that. think in the direction, there's almost nothing there. And then you lose out on that. So those listening, as we go, continue to go throughout this movie, make sure you watch that theatrical version. I think it'll be yeah, a lot what, more. For sure, watch it with without a doubt because you, it's it's just it's leaps and bounds. There, there is a lot of heart. Like it really does tug at your heartstrings at times, and uh, it, it's a sweet movie at times, which is so weird to say if you haven't seen the theatrical cut. Yeah, I think as a it's become a cult classic, and people that have heard about it but maybe not seen it think of it a certain way. And yeah. um, the only way to really know, of course, is to experience it. And it's definitely a, a watchable film, and it's funny. And we'll get into some of that. Can we talk about John Ritter as the mall manager? So glad you just said that because I was just about to bring him up. Uh, First off, let me just then I'll uh, love John Ritter. 
See, I didn't really care for I didn't dislike him, but I didn't really care for him. And when he died, it was obviously very sad. But I didn't other than Three's Company, I don't even know what he was in. Problem child. Other than this movie. He wasn't Problem Child. All three of them, <clears throat> I think. The first problem child's great, by the way. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's, and it's he's fantastic. so good in that movie. He's right. such a believable father, like such a good hearted person. It's so great. I thought him as the manager was hilarious because it Oh, he's it, it, it juxtaposes everything real nicely. He's this innocent kind of appropriate person that has a lot of decorum and how he tries tries to present himself, which is the exact opposite of of Willie, Bad Santa. And that first interaction is it's hilarious because I think didn't they cut out the word I think they cut out the word fuck stick no it's in there oh it's in there yeah. okay um, because he gets offended no well there's an interaction there where first off let's say what's what's funny to me isn't always funny to a lot of people but I thought it was funny that John Ritter's character fires the old Santa who's been there for years based on the narrative or the story that there's another Santa coming into town who has a real little person as an elf. And they've never <laughs> met, but the concept of on the phone discussion of, hey, you have a real little person as an elf? And that was the sellable point. <laughs> so inappropriately funny that he fires the old Santa who's loyal and who's been there for seven or eight years or whatever the number was. It, he just has so many, so many fantastic lines and he plays it so well because he's trying to be an open minded person. He's trying to be a guy who's like, hey, let bygone you know, you do what you want to do. I don't care if you're if you're banging some some fat lady in the in big and tall. You do it. Even though that is an absolute fireable offense. Like <laughs> first off, that was one of my questions. <laughs> and, and that was one of my questions for you. When is Willie fired first? What's the first He's, offense? When he says fuck stick to his new boss. <laughs> you saying there's something wrong with my gear? On the first, yes, on the first interaction, he says it's a sexual, re it's not even a sexual reference, but in Willie's head it is. <laughs> and then he gets offended and calls him a fuck stick. I think he said, you're well, might be He's going. talking about, yeah, and then he goes, he's not going to say fuck Fuck stick in front of the, the children, children is he, he just yeah that's why like he delivers those lines. So there's innocence oh, to him and this apologetic nature of like okay I'll, I'll forgive him for this one time and he's just right, he's, right he can't be mean it's almost the exact opposite of of willie's character yeah and so, that's why he has to go to bernie mac who's fantastic as well i mean rest in peace both of those guys you know both of them um, rest in peace and i actually put that in my notes again Bernie Mac as the head of the mall security. And I can, and I, about halfway through my notes, I put, can, can I, I need more Bernie Mac. Like I need I, more I and I need, and I need it earlier. Like I want to see him when he, when he stops the young child shoplifter still in Xbox games, <laughs> that to me is a great scene. It's like an old school parent from the sixties or fifties. It really is, man. And pull your damn pants up. Pull your like, damn pants just up. So He's what so funny. These days? I mean, and he doesn't I, I, take shit. He lays the law down. It just it yep. makes it's the exact thing that parents nowadays don't do, including myself. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Uh, Softies. And if I if I remember right, I think in the version you watched, he's not in it nearly as much. Yeah, that's well. That was in my notes. I need him more, yeah. and I need him earlier. Yeah, I, I would agree with earlier, but uh, that introduction's great with the the cigarette. 
that just burns straight down. It's fantastic. <laughs> it was a great shot. It's just like, it's all you need to know about him. So good. No, he's, I think, uh, and that kind of sets up our, there's, there's two other characters that we've yet to introduce. One is, uh, is, um, what's her name? Lois, who, who plays Marcus is the little person, uh, his wife. Oh yeah. yeah. And then you mentioned Sue and Sue is the love interest or attraction for Willie or Billy Bob later down the road. So that, but that kind of sums up the bulk of the characters of who, who's in the film. Yeah. And they're, uh, everyone's great. Everyone's great. I love, I love everyone's performance. I love who they cast. I love the way they play everything. It's fantastic. The, when the kid, and by the way, the kid is just, his character name is the kid. Yeah, when, his real name is Thurman Merman. Yeah, the end you see something in the credits, right? <laughs> oh no, it's actually in the. Oh, uh, it is in there? in this version. Yeah, he he shows Santa his report card because he's proud of it. You got all season one B. <laughs> I swear, I, where did I go during this? I, maybe I missed that part too. I, I, it's it's out. It's not in it. Like I'm telling you, the sweetest moments between between Billy Bob and the kid are are out of the movie. I, it's inexplicable to me. But he looks he looks at it and he goes, "Is your name Thurman?" Your name's Thurman Merman. <laughs> and just the kid, the kid doesn't understand. He's like, yeah, yeah. Like the dumb, that dumb look on his face. I mean, the kid, is, you, now there's a sympathy there for this kid because about 25 minutes into the film, we introduce him. I mean, there's a complete innocence to this kid. You know? Yeah. It's, it's the exact, once again, counterpointing everything there is to know about Willie or Santa, like his dark view of the world. The kid is the exact opposite. Yes, exactly. And you, that's why it's so, it, I use the word scary because I don't know what else to, 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 I don't know what other term to use, but it's scary to think that this, this dark human being, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Willie is going to come into this kid's life. Who's this kid is already, he's got a very shitty life. He just doesn't know it. Uh, he has no idea. And he's got this optimistic view of the world. And you find out later that he's, he's, he's a little bit more sharper than, he lets on during the movie, but, um, but he's got this optimistic view of the world and you're just desperately hoping that Billy Bob doesn't ruin him. Well, the kid follows after work, he follows Billy Bob to the bar. He's like, he's behind. He's like often, he's not like right next to him, but he's just kind of, what's the word? He's kind of, uh, uh, I mean, he's following him around. Because ultimately, the thing about the kid is there's two times that I can think of where he saves Billy Bob. And the first one is, I mean, it's an exaggeration, is the confrontation outside the bar with, um, with some what? troublemaker. How do, you, how do you rate that? How do you rate that? I, I, like I the don't... dude is insane. And, and just the things that he's, it's just so perfectly encapsulates what I imagine a, a, an insane person would say. I just don't know how you even come up with that. Well, there's a uh, an encounter with a troublemaker, some guy that confronts him out, outside the bar and literally starts calling him homosexual and then wants to rape him. That's what. Yeah. That's basically and, the gist of it. The, the best part is when the kid comes up and he goes, little boy, go away. I'm doing this for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? But in some what? way, the kid prevents him from being raped. Yes. He prevents Billy Bob from being raped. <laughs> I, I feel like Billy Bob was extreme. <laughs> based on his character as we know it, in terms of 
his anger and his 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 inner demons. I feel like he was extremely in this character out of character because he was extremely open to the idea. He just kind of jumped on the hood and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they were playing that in a in a in a satirical way or a, you know what I, I mean? I think they were, but, yeah. Yeah. That's that was fun. I mean it's just it's great. Everything's great in this freaking movie. Uh the kid the kid basically prevents him from being raped. And as a result, we see a, a hint of of uh, sympathy, a very small, but enough to that Billy Bob wants to take the kid home because it's really late and he's somewhat worried about him. Yeah, take, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. all very outlandish, but he takes him home, and then when he gets home, he realizes he 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 walks it that it he says does a uh, no. What does he say? What, he goes inside. Does he goes inside the house, right? Yeah. So he, he asks, um, you know, where's your dad? He's yeah. he's he his dad's to... away exploring mountains on an adventure. Won't be back till next year. Where's your mom? And then th- what the kid says about where mom is is hilarious. And I, I don't remember the exact quote, but go back and watch. And it's like she's with in God's house with Jesus and something and something and the talking walnut and the ghost and the talking <laughs> walnut. The ghost and the talking <laughs> walnut. <laughs> And then, you know, uh, so who takes care of you? Grandma. It's Granny Spry. That, that's one of my favorite lines. Granny Spry. And then the kid comes in, he's like, Granny, are you Spry? It's just, I mean, and I'm just reciting the movie at this point, but it's just so goddamn funny to me. But he, but he walks in. And the concept being here is that he finds out that the kid lives with his senile grandma and no, mm-hmm. no other adults in, in there. And the thing to me that was funny was when he's inside and he says, does your daddy have a safe? jump cut to the safe being opened yeah yeah <laughs> money inside and then the 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 does your daddy have a car jump cut to t- tires squealing outside of you <laughs> like outside so the great. house and then the kids are chasing after the car bye santa yeah you know, and the whole time no just idea believing, um yeah. you know but and th- it's it's real funny up to this point and all the characters that are introduced mm-hmm. there is a part where i get like to this 30 40 minute mark where we're into it somewhere in that in that ballpark I get a, at some point I do want to see change in Billy Bob's character. I get a little tired of the doom and the gloom after after so long. You know, it wears on you a little bit. Uh, I remember the part for me. It was after we saw a little bit of comfort with the kid, and I don't remember what part in the movie this this comes this falls, but it's after we we've seen a little bit of comfort with the kid and a little bit of sweetness it, it, hinting at some redemption. And then it just cuts back to him being passed out on the escalator. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh God, man, like there's, there wasn't even a setback to put him here. He's just a miserable person. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what that setback would have been. I don't think they, I don't think it's ever really oh, yeah. established. I don't think it, I don't think it is. I just think that's just how he is. He's just a mis- miserable, terrible, dark human being. And while all this, every single being built, we have John Ritter's character, uh, conversing with Bernie Mac, who's head of security at the mall, and basically trying to get him to do some dirty work and figure out who these two guys are, who the Santa is and who is his elf is. And so Bernie Mac goes on the case. <laughs> Man, like a like a seasoned PI. Um which which is which is hilarious. He he basically finds out <clears throat> that uh and in the meantime, one of the things is Billy Bob's uh, 
motel that he was staying at, it, it, somebody's inside. That person is uh, Bernie Mac, no? Yeah. Uh, we, well, we assume so. I don't think we ever see it. but My uh, thought, yeah, so, yeah. thought would be. Yeah. And so yeah. he gets suspicious about going back to that motel. So he just goes back to the kid's house. And he's like, I'm going to stay here. This will do. This is a good spot. This is a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's great. And he just like, he's like the best, the best line just kind of sums it up. He's like, why don't you go? He's like, I'm going to be staying here for a while. Mrs. Mrs. Santa found me fucking her sister. Why don't you go draw me a bath? (laughs) (laughs) Go draw me a bath. Cause by this time he's met this, this bartender that he kind of takes, takes a liking to. I mean, what? Okay. She says explicitly that she's got a thing for Santa Claus. Yeah. But what? Exactly. I would take one whiff of him and run the other way. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a woman. I don't know what what women find attractive, but I can't imagine there's anything at all about him that is attractive. Yeah, I mean, the character is Sue. She's played by Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham is cute. Lauren Graham is. I think she's been on. Um, there's a, there's. I want to. Yeah, Gilmore Girls. That's what I was thinking of. Um, I'm not an Advent fan, but I know a lot of people liked that show. But she's cute, and I would do the same thing. Like, if, if you're in her shoes, what is so attractive about this sloppy Santa? Um, but nonetheless, she has a thing for Santa, so they they get it on, and then it starts this relationship. They kindle something. Yeah, and it's they're, they're, almost, they're almost starting to make a home in this house that he has just basically squatted into. Sometimes you just connect with somebody, I guess. Like in, <laughs> I guess so, man. <laughs> beyond the physical, like there's some kind of thing there that you just kind of like, you know what I mean? So yeah. whatever it is about him, I'm not sure because I think he's a complete loser. But <laughs> oh, so bad. Um, they he starts living with the kid, and Bernie Mac starts doing his background work. This there's a there's a scene in there. <clears throat> I can't remember if it's after or before. He tries to he cuts a deal. He cuts a deal with Billy Bob uh, 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 to take half the. He knows what they're doing. He knows what they've done. He knows the jobs they've done in the past. He tries. To, he does cut a deal with them. Um, extortion. Extortion. Totally extorting him. Yeah, because he doesn't. He holds all the truth that he found out about them from Ritter. He doesn't tell the right. mall manager. And, and not only that, he he straight up says he's absolutely squeaky he's clean. He's clean. Yeah, he plays the counterpoint uh, quite well. And there's, it's the most, I know you're going to think this is, there's a scene in there, and I can't remember if it's when he's telling Ritter that they're clean or it's after he's cut the deal. But he's he's pouring fiber cell, it's like Metamucil, (laughs) into his drink. Now, here's the thing about that cut. If you watch it, anyone that watches it, watch Bernie Mac's face. Because he almost wants to vomit. I watched it and I rewound it. Oh, once. really? I, yeah, I it, had to recheck that. Watch what he, because he pours it in and then he drinks it. And if you look at his face close enough, he's trying not to throw up. He, I mean, just every, he, the little intricacies, the little weird details about his character are freaking hilarious. Like when he's getting the pedicure or when he, he the way he eats his oranges and the way he smokes his cigarettes, just these little things that Bernie Mac throws in there. They're so freaking funny. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. But watch the Metamucil scene because he almost okay. breaks character. It almost feels like a Saturday Night Live bit where the, he's trying not to laugh. But in this case, he's trying not to throw up. 
<laughs> oh my god man I, uh just to be on this set would be so much fun the I, I, the kid uh returns to the mall and he he the, i can't remember if he gets beat up on the set he the, the, there's Not a bunch yet. of bullies at the mall the first time the kid goes they just verbally bully him mm-hmm the second time he goes, they physically bully him, right? Yeah, they, they give him a, a, a massive wedgie, and the kid doesn't even fix it. He's just walking around with his underwear up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> some real bully <laughs> shit, man. That's a real that wedgie. Some real, yeah, yeah that, that was a massive one. I wrote, the poor kid comes in with the wedgie of the decade. Yeah, that's like, isn't that what they called an atomic wedgie? <laughs> yeah, the atomic wedgie. Yeah. And this is where they're, they're once again... Billy Bob's character has a little bit of sympathy for the kid. He basically gives the kid a pep talk in his own way. It's not the most rah-rah Vince Lombardi pep talk in the world, but he's trying to tell him you got to stand up for yourself. Right, right. And it's good. I like it. Um, Did you get the boxing scene? No. Oh, God. Why would he cut out the boxing scene? They're trying to teach this kid how to fight. No, so no. He's got to fight. Not he's got to fight Marcus, the little guy. Oh God, I, I don't even want to spoil it for you. You gotta, you just gotta go watch it. I. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And this is where, to me, this is where you really start to see Billy Bob really kind of rooting for the kid and wanting to help him. Like this is the first time you see real. He is the for honestly the first time Billy Bob looks alive in this entire movie is in the boxing scene. Yeah, because there's there's that one scene where the kid cuts his hand real bad and he he barely does anything. He's like, uh, let me pour some alcohol on it. He's yeah, like, yeah. He's like, I forgot to say it was going to sting. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, it was going to sting. So, yeah, the boxing one's not in there either. Oh, yeah. See, that to me, not only is that great character development stuff, relationship development stuff, it's it's fantastic comedy. Like, it's so funny. I would say, yeah, so, so I, can, I, can, I would say I can see what you're talking about, which is essentially they're cutting out those moments that make the connection between those two a lot stronger. Yeah. yeah I you don't, can't cut I don't. those out. I think I, in, in such a film, I feel like even as absurd and outlandish as it is in terms of in the intensity of the comedy, mm-hmm. you got to have those little soft spots. Those, those relationship moments between those two are what make the movie. I mean, I'm, I'm there for the comedy, but I'm won over by that relationship. And it really does tug at your heartstrings. Like, it really, really does. And if it doesn't, you're lying. Yeah. Now, in and out through all this, while everyone's conspiring to figure out who he is, while they're extorting him, he's building a relationship with the kid. Uh, and we said this before, but, man, he gets away with a lot, things that would not be permissible by today's <laughs> standards. I mean, I think he's got at least half a dozen fireable offenses already. But one of them that stands out to me, and this is what I, one of my questions for you. What's your most, I mean, I know you have a lot because you're just going to clamor over this film. But what is the most memorable fireable offense that he does in this movie? Off the top of my head, I'm going to say when he's, when he's, 
having sex in the in the women's big and tall section. Having sex at the store. John in Ritter's store. character comes in. And he hear he hears Willie really saying, You you ain't gonna shit right for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Still doesn't get fired. And the manager heard him. Heard him, knew it was him. It was happening on store property, on mall property, during work hours. It, I mean, I don't care what era this is in. That's a fireable offense. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. There's no question. That's yeah. probably the most fireable offense in terms of all the things he does. There's other little things like he's smoking on the Santa chair, like secretly taking a puff <laughs> of his cigarettes. Things like that are real funny. Of course, the things that he says to the kids are, are not. The one that stood out to me, my favorite one, my favorite fireable offense is <laughs> because I feel like as a parent, it might be something I want to do in my head. And of course, you probably would never do it because I, I have a governor. I know when to reserve things and, mm-hmm. and try to hold them in. Right. But I still loved it, which is when he's on his lunch break and this oh mom comes up with her kid and she's all, hey, look, it's Santa. First off. He's on his lunch break. Second off, he has no beard on, or at least it's off. It's like down. <laughs> right. And she's like, tell, she's trying to coerce her, her kid into talking to him. And he basically turns around and he's like, I'm on my fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> screams at her. That screams at her. In the middle of the mall, in the food court, to me, that scene, I mean, there's a lot of them, and I think you're right, but that one just made me laugh because. It's also, it's, it's an indicator of two things. One is he has no reservations and he, he doesn't know how to hold himself back. Uh, and that's not always good, right? I'm talking about a person <laughs> yeah. and character. Right, uh, right. The characteristics of an individual. But secondly, I hate that mom. Oh, she's terrible. She's, she's like the first Karen. She's the mom that... Can you not see that that individual is on their break? So I also sympathize for him in that in that scene. To, to, absolutely. Are you kidding? Like, I feel bad for the, the fact, kid because the kid's kind of an right. innocent bystander. Right. They don't know. But the fact that you, just you're there and so you're entitled to that person's time, it, no matter what's going on. It's, it's like, like when the, people go up to celebrities. I was going to say that exact same thing. It's it, like it, the people not, that try to jump in. Like, why would... Would you do that? Be honest. Would no, you do that? No. If I no, absolutely not. Yeah, I would absolutely never do that. Absolutely not. It could be someone that I absolutely admire and want to talk to, but if it was at a restaurant or somewhere or just some when the time's not right, the time's not right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if I was in that mom's spot, maybe wave at Santa while we're walking by, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Say, hey, there's Santa. Just you know, a quick, that's it. a drive-by wave. Hey, there's Santa and yeah. then keep going. Yeah, yeah. You don't bother. Like, yeah. No, I agree. You don't make an That's, ordeal of it. Like, hey, no. look who it is, Billy, or whatever his name Mani- was. <laughs> management's going to hear about this. Just like That oh was God. enough to make me feel at the end of my rope. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And then, I mean, just the, the, his line, his response to her, it's just so telling. Just like, you think you can make my life any fucking worse? You go ahead and try. Yeah. You think I care? Management like, just... will hear about this. Oh, really? Because management caught me having sex in the bathroom. <laughs> you have no, many, you that have no should, idea I, how I many should, times. I should have written that line. 
Really? I should have been fired five times today. (laughs) Go ahead and try, lady. I'm on my 12th fireball (laughs) fence today, lady. (laughs) Uh, Going for a record. Oh, my God. This dude's at the end of his rope. One of the things he does is he goes for the old hose into the car, death by, I guess that's carbon monoxide. Is it carbon monoxide? Yeah, I think so. So he's going for the old suicide attempt. Yeah, the old uh, pain, painless in the garage doing yourself in. And this is where the kid kind of saves him again, no? He does. But here, here's, here, here's my question for you. I, I mean, you see how miserable he is. You see how he doesn't care about anything. I mean, is it surprising to you that he's hung around this long? Yeah, to me it is. Yeah, me too. Me too. And but that's why I, I think you really need that that relationship building. You need something to give him a little bit of hope. And I think he's kind of lost it at that point. It, it's just, I don't know. Uh, to me, watching him go through this, like you said, it's painful to watch. It's it's kind of agonizing at times to see him just absolutely destroy everything around him. I mean, the the his elf friend Marcus was right. Everything about him is ugly. I think that's a great line. Yeah, I liked. I also like. Well, speaking of Marcus, I also liked that he is. And I think this is where the filmmakers do a good job because they push us so far over the edge with Billy Bob's character, feeling the way that you had ju- you just explained. But I think what I like about Marcus is that he's kind of the voice. I don't want to say the voice. It is. He's the voice of reason, of the contrary opinion or the opinion that I have, which is like this is what I kind of want to tell this guy. Totally. You know. Totally. But nothing will get through to him ever, except for... Nothing will get through to him. Um, But something, and and, and like you said, with the relationship build there with the kid, it makes more sense. But the kid kind of comes to the rescue again, saves him again. I think this time it's, of course, even more serious. Before it was just rape. This time it's suicide. Not that a mitigating rape. I'm just saying one's dead and one's, you know. So, man, I just did a hot take right there. People are going to hate it. That is a hot take. (laughs) <laughs> and I misconstrue that and and uh, just pull it completely right out of the wrong context. That's what people but do, the, man. The kid, re- the kid rescues him, right? I mean, in, in yeah. to, to some extent. That's the yeah, second it, time, but there's a third time, and this to me is the time when the kid gets off the bus. The bullies stop him. They give him the way. See, I think the real moment of reflection is not what well, not the wedgie. Sorry, is when uh, they they give him the black guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. They, um, they give the kid a boy, a black guy. He's at his, one of his lowest ropes on the Santa chair, still taking kids on just doing his job. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but he, had, the, the, the kid comes up, he's got a black guy and he's like, where did that happen? Yeah. And then it cuts to him beating the shit out of the bullies. Oh, okay. So this is way different. This is way different. So, uh, in the theatrical version, he is in the car and he's, he's, you know, trying to end it. And the kid comes into the garage. Yes. That's still in this version too. And he, that's where he sees, he tells the, he gives the kid the note. He's like, give this to the cops when, give this to the paramedics when they come to, to bag Santa up. And he says, it just says everything, everything bad that Santa's ever done. And then he sees the black eye on the kid. No, you're right. That's what it is in this. I, for some reason, oh, okay. I thought he, okay. was, he saw it on the chair. But he sees okay. it in the car. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Because, that, I mean, literally, he wants to end his life. But then the kid gives him a purpose. 
Yeah, granted, a, a life purpose. And what did you think about him beating the shit out of these bullies? Dude, I loved it, man. I loved it. I remember, I vividly remember watching this the first time. And in this scene, because they're kind of setting it up that he's going to, at some point, have an altercation with these kids. And I just kept thinking, there's no way he's going to beat up children. Like, they can only go so far, you know, there's no way. But then he does it, and it's fantastic, because it's what I want to do. Yeah, I because think fuck any, these little any normal punks. adult or parent is like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, but the, actually, he, here's I mean, what's funny though is like, of course, the feeling is there, I feel right. it, but the right. actual, the actual execution of the act, no, no. You, absolutely not. And even in movies, typically they they will take that moral high ground and and so you you know they won't go that far. And so this is a movie that they actually do go that far, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's more. So, it's going to be more of like a verbal assault or some kind of intimidation factor verbally right right exactly versus the but, physical act of beating the shit out of kids just pushing him up against a tree and just beating his face into submission oh my god just so brutal so mfa just goes mma on this kid and i i mean it kind of looked like that was on mall property too yeah I another fireable offense not only <laughs> yeah, a fireable I- offense but <laughs> Uh, that's called jail time. That's that's assault, brother. <laughs> On a minor. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty messed up. So, uh, yeah, I liked it, man. I I was I was all for it. There's and then, a redeeming and then, value to it for the story, yeah, for sure. And then you hear him. You know, he he kind of does a little not a monologue, but he he has a little introspection. He even says to Marcus, "I think I've turned a corner. Yeah, I beat the shit out of some kids today. You know, but you can. It, he does this as he's still drinking whiskey. So, <clears throat> how much? You know that." it's still in question of how much he's redeemed himself. Yeah. I mean, he still has his flaws, but, but at least there's a little bit of hope, at least from the viewer. I feel like I get a little bit of hope that maybe he's going to turn the, turn the corner just a little bit. Right. This kind of gets us closer to the end. Um, What are we missing up to this point before we kind of move into that last 20 minutes? I'm not sure we're missing a whole lot. There's uh, there's a lot more with the girlfriend. Um, yeah, a little bit of a relationship build there. There's that little, I mean, this is just kind of unrelated to the story, but there's that moment where they think Granny's died. And uh, uh, that was in, by the way, <laughs> that was in my favorite scene. Uh, when Granny appears to be dead and then he's like, oh shit, he's walking over, testing her for yeah. breathing. And then when she jumps up screaming and he yells, oh shit, and jumps backwards, <laughs> I laughed so hard because his reaction to that is so funny. It may, it may be in my top three scenes. I don't know why. It just made me laugh. It just laughed my ass off. And then when she hops up, she's like, let me make you some sandwiches. Let me make you some sandwiches because she's always wanting to make sandwiches. It's fair to say as it, it. Come, it, as, as it all comes together, there's a couple things happening. One is the, the relationship builds with the girl, with the kid. Uh, Marcus is plotting to, and he does, he executes it, basically takes out Bernie Mac. Because the negotiation for Bernie Mac was half. And that seems hilarious when he's yeah. negotiating half. And Marcus is like a third, 30%, 48%. And he just keeps going half, half, half. My favorite part of that was when he gets to 49 and it looks like Bernie's going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> just like the way that scene is played is so good. And then he just turns as half. Half. Yeah. You know, and that awesome voice he's got. But in the end, flash forward a little bit. 
Marcus has a plan. That plan is just to take out Bernie Mac altogether. Yep. And uh, the way they kill him. What did you think of the way they killed him? <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It fits funny. the movie's narrative. Yeah. It, it's, that's when it went from... Up to this point, we can kind of... I mean, it's very dark. But this is where it went super dark, I think. This is when you realize that, oh, Marcus is really bad. Like, he's just kind of been a fun character, kind of a, a, a fun sidekick to, to Willie. But, but he don't take no shit. Like, oh. Even leading up to that, in the way that he talks, he doesn't take no shit from nobody. And his wife is, uh, you realize that she's not just kind of going along with things and getting, like, she's an active participant in their racket. Yeah. Like, she, she's not just kind of standing by and getting free stuff from the store. She's actively participating in, in keeping them going. She's in it to win it. Yeah, yeah. So it's to me that was like that was a little bit of a term. It's like oh shit, this is it's pretty dark. Yeah, because they take him out, they basically run him over, trap him between two cars. Then he pulls his head behind the back tire and they run him over. Oh, see that wasn't. I I wish they would have kept that part in. Oh, that was that not so? So that's cut. not in the theatrical cut. No, that that's one thing that I think they did right in the directors. Yeah, that to me that was pretty damn dark because they end up. Uh, flagging him down. They plan it all out, but they're flagging down mm-hmm. Bernie Mac to get a jump on their car. He pulls over. They put the two cars nose to nose, and this leads to them ramming him into between the two cars. Then he's broken ribs, broken legs, and Marcus drags him over behind the back tire of the van, puts his head under the oh. back tire of the van. They don't show it, but they right. they insinuate that they run over him. <laughs> See, I like that. I wish they would have kept that in there. What's funny is you say that, and I thought about Alan. I'm like, this is comp- this turned into a for about 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it turned into a horror film because that's brutal. That's super brutal. <laughs> so you like smash him between two cars part. is one thing. Yeah, that sucks. So that, uh, his character is dead, and now they're getting to this last con job, this last job, uh, everything they've been working up for throughout the whole season, and uh, they get in there, and there is a. Uh, so Marcus's job is to do a lot of the logistics and the pre-planning, and he also fronts it with the money. Billy Bob's biggest job, besides being the dumbass Santa, is he's he, he's a, a safe breaker. What's the what's the proper term there? Yeah, safe cracker. He can crack safe any cracker. safe. Yeah. So they get in there and they realize that this is a safe that uh, it's nearly impossible to to crack. Yeah. Uh... He does it, though, because Willie's the best. Even even though he's a drunken moron, he still does it. He does it in this montage cutting as he's getting frustrated. He hasn't cracked it yet. And while he's trying to crack the safe, Marcus is wandering the store, picking up stuff for his wife, stealing stuff, putting it in the cart. And he's trying to get this scarf off this mannequin. <laughs> and he can't reach because he's little. And so he grabs a golf club and starts hacking the leg of the mannequin to make it drop. And it's intercutting between him hacking and Billy Bob taking a sledgehammer. I love yeah. that little editorial piece at the end there. Yeah, to the I, was, music. I like that. That was fun. One thing, uh, I'm not sure if you got it in yours, but um, before they go to the, the, the mall to actually do, their, to do the job, to do the heist, uh, the, kid, the kid knows he's leaving. The kid knows that after Christmas, Santa's gone. And we did get a moment earlier where... Uh, the kid asks Santa, he said, well, you didn't bring me anything last year. You didn't bring me anything the year before. Do you think you could bring me my present this year? 
And then Billy Bob's like, you know, I'm not Santa, right? Like, I'm not Santa. And the kid goes, I know you're not Santa. I know there's no Santa. I was just hoping you'd give me a present because we're friends. And it's just like, oh, my God, man. Uh, because the kid made the reason why the kid cut his hand earlier is he was making him a wooden pickle for Christmas. <laughs> I don't understand that one. It's just, I don't know why that's so funny to me. Because <laughs> it's so obscure. It's so obscure. It's so weird. A wooden pickle. So uh, it really does tug at your heartstrings. And so as as Santa's about to leave to go to the mall to do the heist. Um, the kid basically asked, you know, he was like, can I make you some sandwiches? Will you come, like, you're going to come back for dinner? And there was a moment there where, where Billy Bob's like, yeah, why don't you make some, some sandwiches and we'll, I'll come back and have dinner. You know, it's kind of a sweet moment. It's kind of like, okay, he, he's on board. And he's also, yeah. So he's, and he's also <clears throat> established this plot device, which is he needs to get him a present. Yes. He wants a pink elephant or a purple elephant. Yeah, he can't remember which one. And that plays yeah. into this ending, which is uh, he gets the safe open. Marcus comes back. Billy Bob actually thinks of the kid. Now, this I hated, though. As, as a realist and a logical approach, I hated that he opened the safe and then left. And they just left the safe wide open. To yeah. Marcus. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll be right Marcus. back after he took like right. two hours to open the safe right. up. <laughs> but he did it to go find the gift for the kid. And mm-hmm. he can't remember if it's a yellow or a, a pink or a purple elephant. Get, Listen, why does man. a 12-year-old, 10-year-old kid want a pink or purple elephant? I know. I know. But I just know. get both. Yeah, get both. There's no reason to fret over it. Yeah, exactly. That, that's right? one thing that always bothers me. You're, you're not that, that's it. the other. You're having a moral <laughs> quandary now in the middle of breaking his <laughs> You're like, what should I do? Should I not? I don't want to take both. I just need to take one. I don't want, I don't want to steal twice. <laughs> After all the shit they've done. <laughs> um, but he takes the pink elephant. Here's one thing I didn't understand. So, well, I'll get to that actually. It's, it's a, it's a few minutes down the road. But yeah, he takes it, and then uh, Marcus is standing there with a gun pointed at Willie. And now we know that Marcus is a killer. Yeah, Marcus like, is we, a straight thug. Yeah. I mean, like, brutal murderer, too. And they're, 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 they're going to kill him. And, and because Marcus kind of goes through this thing, like, every year you're worse. Every year you're more booze, more bimbos. Uh, I can't remember. There's one other thing. That started with the beating. Oh, the three Bs. <laughs> Booze. I can't remember what it was. Bimbos. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then and then <laughs> Billy Bob kind of gives this little little soliloquy about how you know you guys have all that shit and that's not really what matters in life and it's like now he's kind of coming to the realization. It's a little too that, soon uh, for me. <laughs> Well, in your cut, it actually makes a, it, it feels a little bit more natural, I thought, in in the theatrical version. But um, before before Marcus can cap him, there is just a freaking SWAT team of of cops who just let all this stuff happen, who have been hiding in the store, who decide to pop up at that very moment, <clears throat> which I didn't. Th- to me, this bothered me a little bit. I mean, again, dumb comedy, but it's like. Dude, they were hiding perfectly. It's not like they just filed in. They look like they've been settled in their positions for a while. 
Mark has been holding a gun on Willie for a couple minutes now. <laughs> they just broke into a safe. They had free reign of this department store, and now they're pulling out all the guns. Right. Yeah, I, I actually, when I watched it, I wasn't even sure until later you understand where they even came well, from. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you. And he, he mentioned something. Oh, the kid. I still don't know how they were tipped off. I thought it had something to do with the letter that the kid delivered. But who did he deliver it to and when did he deliver it? And why? I, well, I, I don't know, but I assumed it was the authorities, the police. That's what I assumed. But I could be way off. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure, but I just don't know why because he said give this to the paramedics when they come to bag Santa up. That never happened, so I don't, I don't know why. Anyway, that's... Well, we have a, I think we point. have a plot hole. I think we do. And there's, there's one more plot hole. What did you think of Willie's escape? Um, it seemed relatively easy. <laughs> yeah. With a whole, a whole precinct of cops there, and he just runs out the door. Gets, gets in the car, and then within seconds, he's to the kid's house. Right. Um, and this is I another was li- thing. There, What's that? There, there's, a, there's a line in there while he's driving to the kid's house when all the cops are chasing him. Uh, and I don't think it's in the director's. I don't recall says, any lines. He goes right he, to the kid's house. He's he's kind of crying a little bit, and he says it's Christmas. The kid's getting his fucking present, and so he runs. Yeah, that's a great line. Why would you not put that in there in the director's? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. Terry, a lot of if you're I listening to the podcast, and I know you're not, but you might now because it's your movie. Yeah, you fucking dropped the ball on that last line, dude. Big time because it it. Exp- it explains why he's trying to get there so so bad he pulls up to the to the kid's house gets he crawls out of the window for some reason out of the car and tries to run up to the door and and the cops gun down an unarmed santa with children watching this was the other dilemma that i had was they just start opening fire six shots to the back just what? what? I mean, what? in our times, unfortunately, there might be some social commentary there. I mean, I just, I mean, you're not going to try and get one to the leg or something, you know, like you're just going to just everyone unload at once, huh? It was into a house and you don't know who's in that house. You're shooting at the house. There's a child in that house. To me, that's that's some pretty bad police work. Yeah. He falls at the door six times in the back. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember the, the endings being different. Tell me, tell me about your ending. He, so he gets shot. Then there is a letter that arrives for the kid. The letter talks about how he's getting better and healing up. And it gives you some of the, uh, the ending of the storyline, which is that he, of course, survived the shooting. But also Sue, the girl that he likes, is now has kind of... Uh, temporary custody over the kid okay yeah that's basically and he's and because of the letter he's willie's not going to go to the jail not not going to go to jail correct because marcus got hit up with all the charges there are spent him and his wife are now in prison i think he called her a leather that leather face mail order bride of his (laughs) just like (laughs) jesus christ man and uh uh but but, that's uh, basically uh how it ends and then the last shot is the kid which which seems completely out of time reference 
because the last shot on this one is the kid going out and cleaning the blood stain off of the porch that he got shot on. Yeah, it's different, totally different. So uh, I like I like the theatrical ending better because the kid. So Willie also sends the kid a present because he doesn't know if if the stuffed elephant is going to be taken for evidence. So he sends him an extra present. It's a T-shirt. He puts on the T-shirt. He has that. That's he, in there too. And what did, what did I think the T-shirt was different too? The T-shirt and in, in this cut says "Shit happens when you party naked." Okay, that that's that, yeah, it's the same thing. But instead of going out and cleaning blood, which doesn't make sense, he goes out and he's working on a bike. He's like washing a bike. Yeah. And then the skateboard kid comes up, and the skateboard kid's like, "Hey, your your buddy's not here to save you." And he's like, see, you got me a new bike. Thanks. And the kid just screams because they taught him to scream in the boxing scene. Kicks him in the balls, rides away on the bike, and gives him the bird while he's riding away. That's way Fucking better. great. It's so great. It's such a great ending. I was confused with the blood cleaning because, wait, you, you had time to get a letter from the hospital that explains all these things, and now you're just barely cleaning the blood off the and porch. Why would why would the ten year old kid be cleaning the blood? Right. It just it just it's, was dumb. Yeah. So, dropped ball doesn't again, make any Terry. Sense. Terry. Uh, yeah. There's a few dropped balls here on your cut. I wonder if a lot of this stuff is they they he was forced to do reshoots and he wasn't happy with that. That's just total speculation. But I know a lot of times studios will make him do reshoots and maybe he wasn't happy with having to do it and he wanted his his version. I don't know. Well, his version's not as good. It's not nearly as good. So I'm going to make you go watch this movie at some point uh, in this Christmas season. Watch the theatrical version because it's far superior. Our favorite time of the podcast. (laughs) Google reviews. This will be interesting. I think you're going to enjoy some of these. A lot of them are that I'm scrolling through uh, all real good. Um. There's, of course, a few other ones. So I'm just going to read through them. I'm just random random selection here, Alan. Ready? Cool. Killer Charm says, five stars. Hot dog! Exclamation point. <laughs> what the? Oh, my God. A new what? favorite Christmas movie. Finally, a movie to topple a Christmas story from its position as top Christmas dog in my book. Hot dog. He's got a lot of That's dogs great. in there. Yeah, he does. Five stars. That's funny. I would put Christmas Vacation above Christmas Story. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I know a lot of we people should, probably we should rate disagree. Our, we should rate our, in a couple minutes here. We should give a couple ratings yeah. on it. Let's do a couple more reviews. Comedy Genius. I love this movie. Yes, it's crude, rude, and socially unacceptable, but that's the genius of it. If you don't like this movie, you don't have a sense of humor. I kind of agree. I kind of agree. I mostly agree with that statement. That's a pretty good review. Good job, Michelle. I can dig it, right? Yeah, me too. Okay, let's get into... Still five stars, but this is how they start from Greg. This movie is politically, morally, and spiritually incorrect. (laughs) Spiritually incorrect. (laughs) Damn, man. (laughs) What the hell Greg's even talking about? And then he puts a period 
I loved it. Laughed my ass oh. off. Oh, I see what he did there. See what he's doing Tri- there? Tricky Greg. Tricky, that's his name. Tricky Greg. Tricky, tricky okay, let's Greg. get one here. I am not a prude. But? But there was not much to recommend in this movie. And I watched it all the way through. <laughs> but it was about one and a half hour waste of time. I, I, just so wrong. So wrong. Not hours. Hours. Not hours. Hour. So one people hour. that are listening know that I read these verbatim. I'm not. Verbatim. Yeah. There is really too much cursing. There aren't many heroes in this movie. Glad that most normal people aren't this jaded about life. When you watch these things on Netflix, you take the bad with the good. And for me personally, this was bad. Uh, one star? Uh, it doesn't even have the rating. They're, they're too uh. chicken shit to actually put a star rating on there. <laughs> they were so mad about this movie that they wouldn't even put a star rating. But 12 people found it helpful. Good. That's good. Okay, one more. Okay, this is a dumb one, but I'm going to read it. (laughs) It's one of my favorite. I watch it every year. Billy Cox is great in it. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Burp. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's the best one. That's the best one we've had on the show. (laughs) <laughs> ho, 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 burp. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Those are our Google reviews, folks. Reading them verbatim. Uh, Alan, jump in with a summation and a rating for Bad Santa. I got a feeling this is going to be high. It's up there. Like Panama Red High. This, it's, yeah. this is uh, fantastic. Just go watch it. I mean, it's Christmas time. Uh, it's been depressing the last year. Everything sucks. Go enjoy a dark comedy where you can enjoy some of the dark sides of life, but still laugh your ass off. It's fantastic. Eight and a half Santa hats. Damn. Eight and a half. I, I, that's how much I love this movie. It's my Martin interpretation. <laughs> Eight and a half. Coming Eight in hot. That's good because it's not just that it's not just a dumb comedy. There's again, a lot of heart in this one. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, look, it's kind of interesting. And I think you were alluding to this at the beginning of the podcast, which is what makes a, a comedy like this work is if you can build a meaningful relationship. And I think we've, pretty much hinted on it more than once that the theatrical cut is the one to watch to to see that relationship build. So attempt all you can to not watch the director's cut because I yeah. don't think it's has the same has the same meaning that it was intended. So it, we we talked a lot about uh how great all these characters are is is Willie your favorite character? Yeah, I mean, by far he's the favorite because he's the most villainous. And even there is that sli- – I would I would say as a supporting character, I like Bernie Mac a lot. But 
yeah, Willie's my favorite character. Who who who's your favorite character in the film? I'd I'd say Willie too. Yeah, it's, I mean it's, it's I mean, almost you, you a can't. no-brainer in in right, this one. Right, right. I mean, so much so that what's interesting is that is that Billy Bob Thornton receives a Golden Globe nominee for this role. You're kidding me. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, comedy, or musical. Billy Bob can act. He's a weirdo, man, but he can. Oh, he's he can very act. Fil- He's a good filmmaker too. He um, is. It's. It's so yeah. I would say uh, go watch this one. You know, look at like rewatchability. I mean, I could definitely watch this each season. Uh, so because it's, it's 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 because of that Christmas. Uh, spirit. This is a fun one to sit back with your significant other, your husband, your wife, without the kids, and watch while sipping a cold one or doing whatever you do, because it fits into that perfectly. And it, it really does. Um, and enjoy it, and get maybe a little get maybe get a little bit hammered along with Billy Bob. Hey man, it, it, if there's ever a movie to do it, it's this one. Um, In fact, I th- th- there are so many differences between the director's cut and the theatrical cut. I told Jess, like, because she a lot of the time when I watch movies to prepare for the the podcast, she'll watch them with me. I told her, it's like, you don't have to watch this with me because she hated it that much. Yeah, uh, she just hated she just hated Billy Bob. I might make her rewatch the theatrical cut just to show, like, it it is actually very redeeming and really good, even though she will fight me on it. I'm sure. I might make her because it's that good. Well, here's where we sit on our other ratings. We have a 79% from the critics, 75% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. We have a 7.0 on IMDb, right? And I'll come in with this. Uh, I'll really come in a little higher than IMDb. I'm coming in with a 7.5. Four, uh, 7.4. I got to edit this because I got to think about, oh, here we go. I'll come in with a 7.4 wooden pickles. Oh, that's a good one. I should have gone for the wooden pickle. Because Damn. Alan loved the wooden pickle so much. <laughs> I don't know why it cracks me up. It makes me laugh so hard. Uh, I would be interested in obviously not going to de- redo a whole podcast, but I would be interested at, if you decide to watch the theatrical version to see what you would give that as a score, maybe on a, a future podcast, we can just real quick get your rating on that. If you decide to watch it. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, find time to watch it. I'm sure it'll go up just based on what you're telling me alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a sucker for a little bit more traditional build between relationships. And if you're giving me that, I'm probably going to up that score. And I, I, hyped it so much you're probably gonna watch it and be like what the hell is he talking like, about man this he doesn't know just kidding no uh <laughs> look I, I look i recommend it and and we talk about rewatchability i think it's there this is a fun one look i like the tagline he doesn't care if you're naughty or nice <laughs> i mean that sums it care. up this is uh care. bad santa uh a miserable con man and his partner pose as santa and his little helper to rob a department store on christmas eve 
but they run into problems when the con man befriends a troubled kid. Bad Santa 2003. This is Gabe and Alan with the Tame Aperture Podcast signing out. The Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify and YouTube.